0: Looking look around and see the church a wee bit more full today. It's great to see uh, many of you back again and I hope that you feel uh, welcome today and that you uh, enjoy just being together. I was talking with some folk earlier on just about the importance of uh, being together with other people and it's lovely to, to see look around the church and see these Kent faces uh, slowly beginning to, to come back. So it's lovely to have you here with us in worship today. Just have a few announcements uh, before we begin. Um, Next Sunday is Harvest Sunday. I don't know quite how that crept up on me the way it has done. Um, I've been speaking to um, a few of the farmers in the congregation and they're they're minded that we should do what we did last year, which is keep it fairly simple. So we'll obviously have a a harvest theme, we'll we'll not do the decorations and such, because to be honest we're not quite sure how many folk we're going to have, and we probably won't have any children, so we'll keep it simple. But I would invite you this week to be sending me uh, pictures photographs of nature as you go about the place uh send some of those in and we'll use them uh, in worship and if you do want to come bringing some uh dried goods or some canned goods we'll make sure that we're continuing to support uh, the uh, the food bank in ellen as we have been doing for the last few years so if you want to bring some groceries along please do and we'll just leave them in the pews or leave them at the front perhaps so we can clean the pews and we'll pick them up in the week and take them up to Ellen to get them to those who need them. Um, for those who come to House Group, uh, the Life Streams book that we'll be using this term and next, uh, there are a few copies available in the vestry today. So if you want to pick one up uh, and take that home with you, start to read and do your homework, as you were told on Thursday night, um, and slip me £10 um, for the cost of the book that would be super. So they're just available to take today as you leave in the vestry. Um, The eco group are asking if folk who have maybe some plants that they could take cuttings of or bulbs that are needing used up. Uh, The idea is that we meet at two o'clock on Saturday the 9th of October, uh, just outside the annex to to put some stuff into that uh, new border that we've got there that's been dug up and weeded so that's Saturday the 9th of October 2 o'clock and please come ready to do some digging and with some stuff in your hands to plant as well that would be great and then lastly it's come to my attention that we have three birthdays over the next few days we have Jeanette whose birthday I believe is today correct she's nodding we have Sheila, whose head is down because she knows I'm referring to her whose birthday is on Tuesday is that right Sheena? And we've got mary watson who i think uh, watches so mary's birthday is on wednesday and mary is 80 on wednesday so i think we should start by singing a happy birthday to them so it's jeanette sheila and mary let's see if we can cram all those names into that little bit in the middle Mm -hmm. happy birthday to you happy Happy birthday birthday to you happy birthday jeanette sheila and
1: mary
0: (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Congratulations. Okay, folks, we're going to begin our worship this morning in the words of him, 192. All my hope on God is founded. Let's worship God together. Short response uh, in our prayers uh, this morning. When I say, come, Saviour God, I'd invite you to respond, come and reclaim us. Come, Saviour God, come and reclaim us. Let us pray. God, our friend and our ally, our source and our song, we ask that you would be with us as we gather here today in worship. We know that what we know of you is only the smallest inkling of who you genuinely are. But even that little taste has whetted our appetite for more. Our life and your life are bound together. And we find the wholeness we long for only as we are drawn more and more into you. So help us sense your nearness this morning, and may your Spirit speak into the particular needs and circumstances of our lives. Merciful God, we ask you to look kindly upon us today. Take us as we are, and please forgive us for the wrong things we do to ourselves, to others, and to you. If we've been awkward, sending waves of unhappiness among the lives of those around us, come, Saviour God, come and reclaim us. If we've become so caught up in trivial things that we've little time left for holy wonder and spiritual growth, come, Saviour God, come and reclaim us. If we've been wounded by others and have turned in on ourselves, nursing our anger and brooding on grievances, come, Saviour God, come and reclaim us. If we've been keeping you at arm's length for so long we don't know how to be close to you, come, Saviour God, come and reclaim. God of Jesus, friend of sinners, please never let go of us. Forgive our failings and help us to make amends where we have harmed others. Call us back to the disciplines that flow from faith, that in loving you and one another we might find the peace and the joy for which we were made. Through your love and to the praise of your name we pray, Saying together the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. And glory Amen. Our reading this morning is taken from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter six, and reading verses twenty-seven to thirty-six. And I can't remember who's reading. It's Pat. Thanks, Pat. I should have made a wee note out. You come. Pat's going to read. It's Luke six, reading from verse twenty-seven.
2: Hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those who, from whom you may expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Then your reward will be great and you will be the sons of Most High because he is the kind and ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful.
0: thanks pat our next hymn picks up on that theme it's called forgiveness is your gift number 361 Let's take a moment to pray together. Let's pray. O Lord, how great thy love, the hymn writer says. We bless you that we have these moments together on this Sunday, this particular day of the week to remember the extent of your love And the completely counter-cultural scope of your love for your love goes out in grace and in mercy not simply to those who are deserving but to those who are undeserving we can't get our heads around that lord we're just grateful for it so bless us as we attend to your word today and to what your spirit is saying to us through it because we ask these things in Christ. I'm going to begin by showing you um, a photograph this morning. I wonder if you recognize This young woman. Quite glam. She's been in the news quite a lot recently. You might remember her better if I show you this picture from a few years back. Uh, This is Shemaima Begum, the 15 year old dubbed the Jihadi Bride, who left her home in East London and travelled to Syria with two friends in 2015, having been groomed and recruited by Isis. And her story has been played out in public over the last few years, her marriage to a Dutch Isis terrorist, her attempts to repatriate for the sake of her third child, having already lost two in infancy, and the subsequent death of that third child. Shortly after that, her British citizenship was revoked by the Home Office, and believing that that left her stateless, she appealed against that decision and lost. Two and a half years on, this is how she now looks, and this is what she's saying. I know it's very hard for people to forgive me, but I say from the bottom of my heart, that I am so sorry if I ever offended anyone by coming here, if I ever offended anyone by the things I said. For those who have even a drop of mercy and compassion and empathy in their hearts, I tell you from the bottom of my heart that I regret every, every decision I've made since I stepped into Syria, and I will live with it for the rest of my life. Now what we make of her dress and her comments is up to us it could be that her experiences have changed that maybe she's grown up or it could be that this is all just a, de- a desperate attempt to convince people that she's changed and she's still thinking the same way in her mind we don't know but what interests me is how we're seeing more and more stories in the news where forgiveness or the possibility of any kind of atonement or restitution aren't even part of the dialogue anymore. It's like they're off the table. We could think of Shemaima Begum this morning, and she is, I, I understand, an extreme example. But just a few weeks ago, the comedian Jeannie Godley, who's always been potty mouthed and controversial, was dumped from the government's COVID advertisements and the pantomime at the HMT because someone had dug into her fairly recent past and unearthed some inadvisable tweets. There was no get out clause or room for discussion, no opportunity for Janie to explain or atone while keeping her place. She transgressed and that meant quite simply that she had to get her marching orders. I remembered a similar story someone recently, Um, but I couldn't remember the context. But I think it was someone in America involved in filmmaking, and 20 years ago they tweeted something stupid and lost their job because of that 20 year old tweet. In the secular magazine, The Critic, the commentator James Jeffrey, who's on the screen here, who I don't think As in he acts to grind when it comes to faith, I'm not sure he is a person of faith, but James says, as forgiveness has receded from public discourse, it's been replaced by the likes of victimhood and cancel culture, incessant blaming, self-righteous rage, identity politics, and polarization. And in that kind of culture, the danger is that we stop seeing the other, the one we disagree with, As a flawed human being just like ourselves but as someone implacably wrong or implacably evil an enemy in other words that's the way the rhetoric is stacking up these days and Jesus has some words for us today about our enemies but before then let's think for a moment how the world trains us to deal with our enemies by and large it trains us to return hatred for hatred. In extreme circumstances, we take the enemy out. You killed our people, so we'll kill yours. You bombed our country, so we'll bomb yours. But where bullets and bombs aren't thought to be appropriate, we take the enemy out in a host of other ways. We kill them or their reputations with our words. We say what's designed to hurt or threaten or ridicule we look for opportunities to get one up on them or to make them feel small we shout down their arguments without ever listening to them and when as often happens in the smaller scale the heat goes out of a situation but the enmity remains we settle into patterns of ignoring one another we avoid we minimize contact, we close down in conversation. As far as we're able to, we live as though the enemy didn't exist. So that's the world's way of dealing with your enemies. A spectrum ranging from a bullet in the head to doing your level best to ignore someone. And that is what we are in, from the cradle to the grave. That's the best we can do by ourselves, it seems. But there is another way, a way that's far, far harder, but that in the end leads to a better outcome. Even in the midst of the blood and the gore of the Old Testament, we see glimmers of that other way, shining like a golden thread, running all the way through the fabric of the story until it reaches its full expression in the life and the teaching of Jesus. And it's the glimmer of God's surprising mercy. Adam and Eve transgress in the garden and they get banished from it for their own protection. But what does God do next? He makes clothes for them out of animal skins. They're not forgotten. They're not cast off. They're still within the compass of his care he shows them mercy Moses and the Israelites escape from Egypt and leave Pharaoh and his people floundering in their wake but in the annual celebration of the Passover event Israel's great deliverance the suffering of the Egyptians is also remembered the second of the four cups of wine that are drunk in the Passover ceremony is filled only halfway to the brim remembering Egypt's loss Israel's gladness say the rabbis is diminished by any human suffering even the suffering of her enemies the writer of the book of Proverbs says do not gloat when your enemy falls when he stumbles do not let your heart rejoice for the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from him later in the book of Ezekiel as God pleads with Israel to live faithfully, he says, why will you die, O house of Israel? I take no pleasure in the death of anyone. So even in the Old Testament, which is so often caricatured as bloodthirsty and unforgiving, we find this golden thread of mercy running through the entire text. With this God, the enemy's not abandoned forever. The enemy's pain and suffering are seen to matter, and the enemy's death brings God no pleasure and should bring us no pleasure too. Totally countercultural, totally counterintuitive, but grace and mercy always are. And Jesus takes this golden thread, and with it he weaves the Sermon on the Mount. From which today's reading is taken. A manifesto for a way to live in the world which is totally countercultural. In Luke 6, Jesus says, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill treat you. And it sounds so insipid, doesn't it? Love your enemies, love these people who are persecuting me who day and night are making my life a living hell. Are you kidding? But it's there in the text. We can't run away from it or brush it under the carpet. Love your enemies. And in the face of the sheer brutality at work in our world, it sounds like simpering do-goodism until you remember who said it. A man the manner of whose birth allowed his enemies to label him a bastard even if they didn't call him that to his face. A man who lived out his life in the sweltering tension of a country that was under military occupation. A man whose teaching was so threatening to the religious establishment that they thought it best to have him killed. A man who was beaten, flogged and crucified for no good reason and was mocked by those who came to watch him die. He knew a thing or two about enemies, did Jesus. And he gives us this instruction to love our enemies, not to burden us with an impossible command, but to remind us that if we claim to be of the family of God, we ought to be mirroring the character of God. And you know what? God loves his enemies and it's a good job he does because sin makes us all enemies of God including you and me in Matthew chapter 5 Jesus says I tell you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you why? so that you may be children of your father in heaven He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The shocking truth is that the God we worship, far from being in the tit-for-tat business, the eye-for-an-eye business, is in the business of showing unmerited kindness to the ungrateful and the wicked. Not my words, Jesus' words. God bears with the enemy, not because he likes their behavior or because he's soft on sin. He's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked because he knows that love is the only way in which broken people are mended. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that, hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that, words of Martin Luther King, love your enemies, says Jesus, why? That you may become children of your father. For he loves even his enemies. The Father in heaven who looks at us and our enemies and sees us for the people we are, half-formed, confused, wedded to our pet sins. But he sees further than that. He sees right down to the flickering core of his own image that's buried deep within every human being. And he refuses to give up on us. He has determined to love us into submission. It's the only way. Again, some words of wisdom from Reverend King, speaking to the white supremacists whose racist thuggery was drawn out of the backwoods and the shadows into the glaring light of day by the civil rights movement. King said, we shall meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will and we shall continue to love you. One day we shall win freedom, but not only for ourselves. We shall so appeal to your heart and conscience that we shall win you in the process. And our victory will be a double victory. Love your enemies, says Jesus. Pray for them. Pray not just to defeat them, but to convert them so that they recognize the divine image within themselves and within the people they profess to hate. Christ, against all our intuition, is telling us today to love our enemies. And it's important to say that doesn't mean we have to like them or approve of what they do. At its simplest, loving your enemy means dealing with them in the faith that somewhere deep within them there still burns that image of God, no matter how hard it may be to recognise it. So, who are your enemies this morning? Who are your enemies? Do you hate them? Do you ignore them? There is a better way, says Christ. Love them, pray for them. It's the only way that we can break the vicious cycle of hate though it may end up costing you all that you have to give. The film of Gods and Men tells the true story of a group of monks living peaceably and cordially with their Muslim neighbours in Algeria. They help the villagers with education and healthcare And in turn, they are welcome guests at weddings and birthdays and village festivals. It's a happy picture of different peoples living together well. But with the rise of fundamentalist Islam, the monks come under increasing threat from local terrorist groups. But after a long agonizing discussion, they decide to stay even though they know it may mean the end of their lives. And anticipating that end, the prior of the monastery, Christian de Cherge, wrote these words to be read by his family in the event of his death. Listen out, particularly for the last paragraph, which anticipates his death and even addresses the unknown man who will take his life. De Cherge and six of his fellow monks were taken from the monastery and murdered by extremists in May of 1996. This is what he writes. Obviously, my death will justify the opinion of all those who dismissed me as naive or idealistic. Let him tell us what he thinks now. But such people should know that my death will satisfy my most burning curiosity. At last, I will be able, if God pleases, to see the children of Islam as he sees them, illuminated in the glory of Christ, sharing in the gift of God's passion and of the Spirit, whose secret joy will always be to bring forth our common humanity amidst our differences. I give thanks to God for this life, completely mine, yet completely theirs too. To God who worked joy into it against and in spite of all odds in this thank you which says everything about my life I include you my friends past and present and those friends who will be here at the side of my mother and father of my sisters and brothers thank you a thousandfold. and to you my friend of the last moment who will not know what you are doing yes for you too I wish this thank you, this commandment to God whose image is in you also that we may meet in heaven like happy thieves if it pleases God, our common Father. Love your enemies, said Jesus. And pray for those who persecute that you may become children of your Father in heaven, Amen. William Anderson is going to lead us now in our prayers for others.
1: Let us pray. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wondrous love that you have shown to us while we were yet sinners, when we were your enemies because of our sin. We thank you for Jesus and for all that he has done for us. We cannot understand what it meant for him, your sinless son, to pay the price of our sin on the cross and overcome death and the grave through his resurrection. Help us to follow his example, to love our enemies, do good to those who hate us and pray for those who entreat us. Lord, this does not come naturally. So help our nature change from the perspective of the fallen, sinful mindset to that of the mind of Christ. We cannot do this in our own strength. We need the power that comes through your Holy Spirit. And we pray for this now. We pray for those who are finding life difficult, even to the point of despair we ask you to be with the sick and the sad the bereaved the carers those who are sitting with loved ones who are very unwell and those that are awaiting their departure from this life we ask you to let them know your presence and peace we also remember with thanks all who are recovering from illness and those who have recently received good news about their health. Let them acknowledge you as Savior and Lord. Be with all who find their lives turned upside down due to COVID, and be particularly with those of the coalface who find it so difficult to deal with the volume of sickness and death that they now experience while at the same time not being able to treat those who normally they would see. We continue to pray for our congregation that soon our members will be back in strength in this place and that our new buildings will be a place where both young and old are blessed. Be with all the leaders and helpers and let your Son be upheld and glorified in everything that is planned and done. Be with Paul as he ministers to us and be with his family. We thank you for his faithful proclamation of your good news and we ask that he will see fruit for his labours. We believe you will bless in this place. Help each one of us not to be lukewarm in our faith, but to be real followers of your Son Continue with us now as we worship and praise you, for we ask everything in and through the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Thanks, William. We're going to finish our worship now in the words of hymn number 710. I have a dream a man once said. blessing of God Almighty the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore